Hello, my name is Celia Hirsch, and I'm a volunteer with Igniting Change, an intentionally tiny but outcome-mighty organisation based in Melbourne, Australia. Igniting Change has walked alongside many individuals and organisations making a difference, usually working with very thorny issues in decidedly unsexy areas. It's unlike any charity you may have previously encountered, and its catchphrase is, see the person, not the label. What we are seeking to do with this podcast is introduce you to the people of Igniting Change and the people we work alongside. Our guest today is Stephanie Exton. Hi, Steph. Hi, Celia. Nice to be with you. Lovely to have you here. Now, you have worked with Igniting Change for a long time. Yes, I started in 2005 when I had met Jane recently and worked part-time for a few years, went full-time for a few years and finished in 2012 uh, retaining a a part-time position after that and moving into some other work with other foundations since then. How did you and Jane meet? We actually met at school. Our children were at school together. It's quite funny really. Our boys were the same age and uh, Jane's boy, Charlie, was really very entrepreneurial as a, as a little boy. They played lacrosse together and um, Charlie started a little business on the side at the school dyeing the lacrosse heads of the sticks and charging boys for it and my son went along with it as he did um, and Charlie got into big trouble and so did my son for it and anyway we were all called in as parents to the um, headmistress's office and it was so bizarre because everyone went in in trepidation the boys shaking at the knees and suddenly the whole meeting dramatically changed when this blonde-headed woman totally turned it upside down everything was on its head and what had started off as a negative situation was suddenly this amazingly positive situation where we could all only see the benefits in everything that was happening including the principal (laughs) and not much has changed and I thought who is this woman what does she do like who is she because even though I'd met her on the side of the lacrosse field many times I I didn't really know what she did so you're bound by your criminal sons (laughs) how did you work out that you two might work well together well, at the time, I was um, running a, a small not-for-profit. It was a member organisation. Um, my background was actually in, in running orchestras in uh, music and performance and administration. And I was saying, oh, I'm not really enjoying my job very much. And Jane said, oh, I really need someone to take some minutes at this meeting tomorrow. Can you come tomorrow? <laughs> and I said, oh, OK. So we came, I came along and... Um, it was hilarious, actually, because the meeting was at Port Phillip Prison. I went there to take the minutes, and I'd also met up with Lauren, who was working with Jane at the time, and she was telling me how they were having such trouble uh, getting any of the technology working in the office. Nothing was connecting. And then um, in the meeting, there was a discussion about what really is the essence of igniting change, and the essence was connecting, and I just thought that was such a Irony. Irony. <laughs> <laughs> The whole thing was really funny. Anyway, I took the minutes. Uh, They seemed to like them and she said, why don't you stay? And I did. How would you describe your role at Igniting Change now? I focus generally on the community organisations that we engage with. You know, it'd be hundreds of organisations that we've interacted with. So I've built up a set of relationships, I suppose, with a lot of organisations in Victoria and and, a wider field in Australia. And um, I am the principal contact for those when we enable financial support but also connections to other 
um, support. So how do you find people and how do they find you? Well, generally, we, we actually try to find people that are not, that don't have a high profile and that don't, you know, aren't well resourced. We find that, you know, innovation and change really happens around the edges. It tends not to be happening in the mainstream uh, organisations, which by default are set up to, to maintain the status quo. Change is really hard in organisations like that, but it's not hard in very small, um, flexible, nimble organisations because that's really what they're there for. They can respond to issues very quickly. At the same time, that means they're extremely vulnerable and precarious generally. So our role is to understand what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it and resource them to navigate that precarious path that they're on so you can't find them in the general way of, of understanding who's out there in the market, as it were, because they don't have a profile generally. There's no advertising banners. There's no, <laughs> there's no, no. Yeah, so you, page spreads in the newspaper. I mean, Jane calls it sniffing it out and it, it is, you know, really a bit like that because we tend to be very intuitive. Like we go on our gut a lot of the time. And now we, you know, we know very quickly if we um, are going to probably engage with an organisation or not. Um, and it, it's um, one organisation tends to lead to another. So we build up a very, very extensive network, which is all of our connections. <laughs> what sorts of things are you looking for? One key factor is when you're talking to someone, you know, are they about the people they work with and the issues or are they about themselves and their organisation and while we totally appreciate that organisations need to survive in order to do what they're doing um, the primary focus still needs to be on the people rather than the organisation. We also you know it's always got to be a two-way relationship. Relationships that are one way are generally not very functional Uh, and often in grant making which we don't do um, it is a fairly one-way relationship and that's why there's a limited transfer of information and that you know if there was a greater transfer of information it would be much more effective so we don't use the term granting and we don't think of ourselves as grant makers we do provide financial support but we really like to establish two-way relationships so if people are also interested in us that's a pretty good guide as well. So there have been plenty of organisations over the years that have been supported by you initially and then for one reason or another the relationship doesn't continue? Usually because they've gone off and found um, their own feet. their own their own support from elsewhere. I mean we've, we are very much a catalyst. We absolutely have no aspirations to be long term with organisations. I mean that does create a dependence which we can't sustain so we uh, really focus on being the catalyst building up connections for organisations for individual uh, leaders uh, which they then maintain people have to do it themselves if if anyone individual or organisation is reliant on another person that's not sustainable at all. So just for the uninitiated, how does the igniting change process work? Can you walk me through it? Perhaps an example would be mm. would be good. So there's a pastor called Norm Reed who works in uh, the Risdom Prison in Hobart and when he we first met him we thought this guy, you know, really cares about the people that he's working with um, and he's got some really good ideas. Let's hear them. And one idea was that um, People in Risdon Prison often come from 
the north of Tasmania and there's no other prison in Tasmania so Hobart is where you have to go so the families are up north and it's just too far too expensive and too difficult for them to visit so as is always the case in imprisonment families break down and so then when people are released from prison they that whatever they did have is usually not there anymore it's particularly strained so Norm wanted to do uh, to enable visiting via video and that sounded like a cool idea that was the first thing we supported we then supported them wanting to um, create a vegetable garden that now you know produces 200 tonnes of vegetables which second bite transports to various people and what one thing's led to another and we've usually provided the seed funding which has enabled the work to continue on its own that's a sort of example now we stay in touch with Norm all the time because the absolutely crucial part of all of this work is to know what happens while we might not have a formal acquittal process we always know how the funds are used and what happens because of that. Money is only ever a very small part of the equation and it is necessary, it's certainly very helpful at times but it's very much part of the equation and the equation here is is Norm growing a network of people whereby he can actually change the way people in the services system and the broader community think about people who are in prison and what they can do rather than what they can't do. I guess the other side of the ledger is where the money comes from and how the people who give the money are involved as well in the process. Well it all stems from our visits to meet the people feel the issue. So in the visits we once we've established a relationship with an organisation which will be um, through us visiting and getting to know them and if they want to share what they do with the broader community we provi- provide a bit of a conduit for that. So we'll invite people who have expressed an interest and again these people come from all over the place, businesses, other philanthropic groups, people interested in local ideas, maybe government, and we'll take a group... It's all word of mouth too, isn't it? All word of Mm. mouth. I mean, Igniting Change basically is word of mouth. Mm. (laughs) Everything happens because of what people say about us to other people rather than what we say. Mm. So it's an extensive network that is very strong because it's made up of so many people that all invest in it. Mm. So um, we'll take visits. Often it's one a week. I mean, they're really quite busy now with the visits people hear directly from the people closest to the issues about what the issues are and what it is they're trying to do it just brings people who might otherwise not be in a room together together so that they have a conversation which is open honest and um, a place of safety and then they go out and tell their friends usually and their yeah. friends discuss it mm. so it's really hard to keep track of the outcomes of these visits because we can't possibly track everyone's conversation about who's talking to who but what usually happens is it, it comes around at you know timing is everything it's always got to be the right time for the organization for the people involved and generally what happens is connections form alliances which would never have been thought of otherwise form and resources flow but they flow both ways it's never one way and it's not about anyone helping anyone else at all it's about understanding greater understanding because Everyone comes from a place of where they come from, you know, and that's the place they know. Um, but their lives are richer if they know a bit about other people's places as well. Mm. So sometimes money comes from that, but it's not the objective. What I mean, Jane always says, and I totally um, adhere to this, is that if you if it's a good idea, the money will come. Mm. And I really believe that if something is a good idea, it's meeting a need 
the money will come. It's interesting that concept of, of the visits. It really struck me the most recent one I went on was the North Richmond injecting mm. room. I pretty much brought the table to a standstill when I mm. announced that that's where I'd been that day. Mm. And a few looks around the table and I explained it wasn't at all what I expected. Mm. And I came away from there strangely uplifted because mm. of the nature of the people who worked in that field and mm. their dedication. And I think that it's such a privilege to be able to witness that. Well, that's the other thing we always say is that in these sort of transactions, it's always the people who... At, you know, uh, visiting that get more out of it than than the um, people being visited. It's the same with giving. I mean, people who give get it more out of it often than mm. people who get. <laughs> I guess one of the things with giving is that people sometimes want things back that aren't necessarily mm. what you can offer. I don't want to be controversial, but I don't think ever, anyone ever gives for purely altruistic reasons, actually. I, I mean, everyone gets something back. It's always two-way always and um, whatever that is for the person is up to them you know what they want to get back from it grant making establishes a system where you know you get back data and reports and that sort of thing but what we find is it's the insights which are not revealed in formal settings which are actually often much more important when you talk about grant making can you sort of elaborate? I guess it's a term which is used in the philanthropic sector because that's yeah. what philanthropic groups do. They yeah. make grants. Uh-huh. And, and I guess I'm just distinguishing igniting change from that Doesn't process that. because we don't do it. And how does that system work? It's very process-oriented uh, and it's very, very risk-averse. So every, all the processes are in place because of the risk which is perceived to exist between a grantor and a grantee. And I think that's you know, a really critical part of igniting change because we um, operate on a basis of trust, yep. which is largely um, depleted in, 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 you know, I think globally, if you think about the issue of trust these days, it's very, very um, much less than it, than it perhaps has been in the past. And it's a, it, it really affects a lot of things, this crisis of trust. If we, in our tiny, small little way, our Igniting Change Way can um, keep the flame of trust alive. I think that's really important. And the, the amazing thing is when you show someone that you really trust them, they, um, they, are, they just blossom and they, they just are so um, trustworthy. You and Jane have that instinct, that intuition. Do you think that people can learn that or is that something that you will have to write the recipe for at some stage? <laughs> because it seems that it's not something that everyone has. I think it's a matter of certainly learning it and, and just really listening, listening very much and not having your own agenda about about what it is you're doing, um, really, really seeing people for who they are, acknowledging that you don't know anything about them. It's very hard. I mean, try not to make assumptions. We do it. I do it all the time, of course. But just reminding yourself that... Um, you, you don't know who that person is, what they've had in their life, and being really open to it, I think, is important. So, so listening really, really carefully, um, being being humble about about it, and when you sort of open yourself like that, the information comes in, and and you you know you you don't have too many assumptions about it. People can sense the wall, can't they? If, yeah. If you're if you're mm. sitting there thinking oh, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. you know, they're, yeah. they're not going to give you anything, are no, they? That's right. Has there been any any projects of which you're especially proud? So many, so many. They've just been incredible. I mean, but one very recent one, which has just been 
you know, there are some that just really hit you in the guts. I met a, a woman, I guess she'd be, I don't know, in her 50s, from a country where there's been a lot of turmoil. She lives here as a relatively new migrant, but she was... And so she wanted me to come and see this weaving project. She's got about 20 women from many different countries uh, together, and they each had a little loom that sat on the table, and they could learn how to weave with this thing. And there were all sorts of languages, lots of different religions as well. Some women were totally illiterate. Some, there was one who was a CPA accountant who couldn't get any work. So this was this wide variety of amazing women uh, which this woman was bringing together to provide support to each other because they all had, as she said to me, traumatic backgrounds. So, and as a white woman who has a comfortable life and has been, you know, is surrounded by amazingly beautiful people, it's easy to hear that, but to actually understand, well, what does that mean? So she, um, just as she was leaving, she said, oh, by the way, you might like to read my book, which I just read. And I, so this, you know, I can barely say it now. Uh. Um, she, she was in prison for three years uh. and describes what happened. And oh, gosh. I could never look at her in the same way again. So this was somebody that you dealt with that you thought that, you know, you had the, I'm you th- had the gist I'm of the I'm thinking I've thing. got an idea of yeah. what's going yeah. on and then I get this and I go, you don't know nothing. We don't. We, we don't just know don't anything know anything. About anyone. No, we yeah. don't. And we, we I mean, we, you have to make assumptions. Of course you do because mm. you've got to have a conversation and, and all that sort of thing. But the more we can be open to the possibilities that, every individual mm. has I think that the freer we can be and um, the, the the better we can get on with people so that was just a recent one and mm. and the, the weaving's happening and and it's fantastic now where that will go I'm not sure and she needs she they'll need more money they're tiny though but I can see it that the what's happening between these women is palpable and if any of them have gone through just a fraction of what this woman's gone through, then all strength to them and that sort of support is just invaluable. Well, the mental health benefits of Mm. that sort of connection Mm. is well known and well researched. And and I think, gosh, if we can help things like that, I'm so proud. And I think that's exactly it, Celia. The connection lies at the heart of absolutely everything that Igniting Change is about because when people are connected and they feel that someone cares about them, then they can care about themselves and can actually be the change they want to be. No one can ever change another person. That person's got to do it themselves, but they can only do it if there is support around them. And a sense of purpose and something to look forward Mm. to and all of those things. None of us get anywhere on our own. We think we do, but look at the trail of support behind most successful people. It's huge. Steph, when you're talking to people and they say, what do you do, Steph? And you say, well, I work at Igniting Change. And they go, what's that? Mm. How do you answer? I guess in a nutshell, I would say we are a small not-for-profit organisation that connects people in the community with resources, with people who don't have them and tries to raise awareness of issues that are often hidden. And, um, that sounds pretty comprehensive. That, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> then they go, like, because, oh. <laughs> and I'll say, oh, I work with a charity, but it's not really like a charity. It's yeah. not, and it's very. Mm. I find it tricky. I think if I'm telling somebody, it's mm. going to be even more tricky. Yeah, you know, maybe it's just about saying to them, "Come with me." Yes. 
So when people say to me and they express some interest that maybe they'd like to get involved, I, the first thing I say is, well, just come with me, come on a visit, then you'll see it in action. Yeah. And then you'll, you'll get... See no, what we do. Yeah. How much have attitudes changed, do you think, as a result of igniting change work and efforts? Well, I think it's just really, really hard to quantify the, <laughs> the, um, the impact of, of what we do. But I can look back at all the organisations and I can see how they've, many of them have grown from tiny ideas to, to really major um, activities. And I can see just in the number of people that we've influenced, you know, just change and I don't think you can measure change in attitude change in um, outlook but it's really weird because the feedback comes at the most strange times you know you'll meet someone say oh I did this and I went on that visit and then I did this and you go oh my god didn't even know any of that had happened so um, I can't possibly say how things have changed but I do know that we have a very positive influence does it make you proud oh so proud so proud and everything that I do now in the more traditional philanthropic setting is totally imbued by the work at Igniting Change. So your work in the more traditional philanthropic setting has come through the Igniting Change. Mm. So, so, so that's interesting, so isn't So they it? think we're all very innovative and I go, <laughs> no, Chus had had these ideas 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so you started in a frame of going around, helping people around that system yeah. and now you're in it. So you're yeah. putting a bit of igniting change. Yeah, that's what I like to think. Yeah. Making a milkshake. Yeah. Um, and people love it. They do. They really love it. They feel challenged, but they they see that it works. Mm. So they come along. And how much do you think you've changed as a person because of your association oh, with igniting change? I've never heard of this sort of work before I before I met Jane. I didn't know anything about it I mean I was full on into the music business <laughs> are you a better person absolutely absolutely yeah I mean I see the world in a completely different way uh, yeah entirely and I think I know more about myself as well um and I I, I hope that I've got a, a bigger perspective on things and I've been so lucky the people I've met my god you know just it, it, it's an absolute privilege the other day I had an example of um being at a, an organisation which is working with not just drug users but chronic drug users. I mean, they they live hour by hour, not day by day. Mm. Um, and th- this was a drop-in centre where we were and it was really amazing to just be talking to someone who just got up off sleeping off the pavement and was desperate for a drink of water. And then I had to go down to a lunch hosted by one of the biggest philanthropists in Australia where Tony Abbott was speaking and so boy did oh. I go from the sublime to the ridiculous wow. and I'm thinking what on earth can I wear today <laughs> to fit into both situations it is a, it's amazing to be exposed to so many different facets of life and it's a absolute as I said it's an absolute privilege um, this might that might make our last question redundant and that is the question that I ask everyone what has igniting change taught you just that the world is a very interesting place (laughs) and we all have a role to play in making it even more interesting. That's it for this Igniting Change podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to press subscribe to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Thanks for listening and remember, see the person, not the label.